You're listening to another episode of Diary of a New Grad Speechy. We are the go-to podcast for students and new grad speechies who know a little about a lot, giving you our unprofessional but professional advice that you didn't know you needed. Hello guys and welcome back to another episode. I'm Ash. And I'm Cass. Today we are going to be talking about red flags or to fit in with the current trends on TikTok, private practice X <laughs> to look out for when working in private practice or during the interview process. We actually did a post on this a few months ago, um, thanks to Cassie. So we will be expanding off the points we have already made over on our Instagram. I actually forgot about that post that I did. So thanks for reminding me. We actually had pretty good feedback on it and I saw a few of you guys sharing it. So I'm glad it was quite relatable. So before we get into today, as always, let's have a quick catch up because I feel like it's been a while since we've had a chat on here. Yeah, it has. Ash, tell us about your little busy. How's it going being a director and a sole trader? (laughs) How's it going being a director? Look, when I sign off on service agreements and it says like director, (laughs) I just feel like I'm a fraud. (laughs) You're an imposter. I'm like, yeah, I am the director and the principal speech pathologist here. (laughs) I had a client and they were kind of complaining about how they've always been with new grads. And I feel like "Mm, that's probably a red flag for this client. But anyway, and I thought "Mm, they must only be happy with me because it literally says at the bottom of the service agreement, director, (laughs) like I must look really old. (laughs) (laughs) They must actually believe that you could be a director. (laughs) Yeah, literally. But no, it's been good. It's been tricky trying to coordinate where I'm going each day for my mobile clients because the Gold Coast is so long and so big. Mm-hmm. I am sticking more to like the northern Gold Coast regions, but that's still like 20 minutes away. So I'm just trying to, for my scheduling, trying to navigate how I fit in all of clients that are in a similar area. But then it's really tricky when one of the clients is like, oh, no, I can't do it on that day. So that's what I'm just trying to get my head around because I don't want to be driving so much. Yeah, that's so hard because I feel like it takes up a lot of your day spent in the car and in traffic and stuff. I get really angry when I just get stuck in traffic and have been in the car all day. So I don't know how you feel. Yeah, no, I do as well. But for my Thursday uh, this week, by the time this episode comes out, I've I'm like booked out for that day. (gasps) That's so exciting. Yeah. Go you. Thank you. I know. It's (laughs) crazy. So anyway, it's good. I'm just pulling my hair out a little bit at doing all the admin side of things and emailing invoices and doing all that, but I'm getting there. It's a work in progress. Yeah. I feel like when you work for a company, that stuff is like all taken care of and you just like finish the client, walk out, go back into your room prepare for your next one and you don't actually realize that all of that stuff is so important and needs to be done. Yeah. And like people not paying invoices on time. (laughs) Yeah. That would be annoying. You'd be like, where's my pay? (laughs) Yeah. I know. I said to my mum, I was complaining a little bit because I'm used to just getting my set amount of pay each fortnight on a Monday. And then I would do whatever I would do with that money. But now I don't get that set amount each week. It's going to be sporadic. So I'm trying to navigate that as well. Yeah, hard getting used to that new life cycle. Yeah, but 
it's okay. It's only been three weeks, so it's fine. What about you, Cassie? You have just actually started your new job this week, so tell us. Yes. I've had literally the biggest week, like with moving house. It was my birthday in between there. Starting work. Hey. Happy birthday. I'm so old. It was actually probably the only birthday that I was least excited about. I don't know if that was just with like our whole moving house situation or if I'm just actually getting old and I really don't want a birthday. It was a really good day though. (laughs) It was a very adult day, wasn't it? Yep. The only, I think I texted you and I was like, this is the only year I reckon since I've been like 16 where I haven't been hungover or drinking or partying. I actually messaged Cassie in the morning. I was like, happy birthday. What are you up to? And she's like, oh, I just went to the market. And now I'm just out for a little walk and having coffee. Like, boring. (laughs) So boring. So awesome, though. I know. Yeah, it was nice. But yeah, like just so hectic moving house. Like we had so many issues with our bond cleaners and like getting our bond back. And then I flooded my boyfriend's parents' house. (laughs) (laughs) It's just been a really, really big week. Um, only you Cassie honestly yeah so that was fun um but no was it like the first day that you were living there too that you Mm. yeah like the first morning yeah like we woke up and then it happened oh my goodness (laughs) oh well at least it wasn't too bad like tell everyone what happened I just moved into my boyfriend's parents place as you guys if you've listened to our latest episode would know and we were putting some washing on um, you know, very adult things and doing a lot of washing. <laughs> I'm so boring. And their washing machine is like not connected. Like the hose goes straight into like the laundry sink. Like it's not connected through the pipes and stuff underneath. Anyway, that's fine. But I didn't know. So I had something soaking in the sink at the same time that the washing had gone on. So by the time the washing machine was like ready to let some water out, the plug that was actually in there from this shirt that was soaking just the water had nowhere to go but everywhere in the laundry so um yeah no it was lucky it was tiled and lucky we kind of got on top of it straight away as soon as we realized but yeah it was just a crazy morning okay. at least nothing was damaged or anything yeah 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 true That's nice. but, in but anyway Yes. In terms of my job. Oh my God. So nice. Like I rocked up on Monday and I have like my own office for like the first time ever in my whole career. And it just feels amazing. Love that. I love love that. (laughs) It's so nice. And normally I'm a very disorganized person as you guys would know, but I feel like now having my own space, which is like so clean and organized, like I actually want to be organized. Yeah. It's like, it's so nice. Um, and I rocked up on Monday and they had like a little poster there being like, welcome, Cassie, like pens, a little notepad, some flowers. Like it was literally the most beautiful start to the week. So nice. And yeah. I love that everyone, um, that you have your own office. Does everyone at the private practice have their own office? Yeah, I believe most of them do. We've got quite a number of allied health assistants that work for us. And I think they kind of like hot seat a couple of chairs because they're mm-hmm. just like in and out with their uni schedule. But I'm pretty sure for most clinicians, they've got their own office, which is so nice. So good. Love that. Amazing. Yeah. Well, I'm glad that it's been a good start. Can't wait to hear some more when you start um, getting some clients. Hopefully you have some funny client stories. I actually do have one from an assessment today that I did. I was doing the self on the Q Interactive, which is like the first time I've ever done it. And it was really oh. stressful. How is that? Because everyone raves about it I've been trying to borrow the cell five 
for a client and everyone's like, sorry, no, I've only got it on Q Interactive. It's so good. You should get it. And I'm like, oh, so I'm keen to hear your thoughts. Yeah, I can definitely see how it's really good. Like I totally can understand like for clinics that don't have a lot of storage, like multiple therapists, like I think it's amazing the way that it works. But for someone like me who's done their whole career with a paper self, I think you just get so used to like writing little notes on the side about like observations, you know, like fidgeting in chair or like super tired or like you just get so used to like scribing like that. And then I did it today on the iPad and at first I made like a number of mistakes because I wasn't scoring it because I didn't know the kid could touch the screen. And so I'd like gone through the like one subtest and I was like, that's actually wrong. Like, <laughs> and so it just takes a lot of time to kind of do it. I managed to fix all the scores because I ended up just writing it down on my book. But yeah, so I find, I think once I get the hang of it, I will like it. I just mm-hmm. don't love it yet. I miss the paper. Yeah. I yeah. miss the paper. I know. What was your flop? Oh, um, no, it, it wasn't a flop. It was actually quite a funny story. I was assessing this kid this afternoon um, who's like six and a half, I think, and he had some delays on the self. Um, not severe, but he was just having a couple of errors and he was doing so amazing. Like he was just sitting there. He was smashing it out. And every time we'd like do a part of the subtest, he'd like get it wrong. Obviously, he didn't know that. And I was like, oh, you know, good trying or good, you know, good job. You're doing so well, like giving him some feedback. And he was like, I am doing so good at this. He was like, I'm the best. (laughs) He was giving himself. I'm amazing right now. And he's doing it wrong. He was like his own little hype girl. And I was like, you are, you're doing so good. And I'm like, zero, zero. It's like five consecutive zero. Oh, oh so, cute. so cute. That should be a meme. <laughs> Literally. <laughs> I was like, I wish I had that self-confidence. <laughs> That's awesome. That's so good. I have a flop on my behalf from last week. I did an, an assessment. I've actually got two flops from this one assessment. I did the self-P3 and I don't know why, but I just thought that the self-P3, the only thing that had changed was the expressive language pictures. Mm -hmm. Um, But no, other stuff has actually changed. And I didn't (laughs) pre-look or pre-read like the um, linguistic concepts it's changed a little bit at the start what you have to do for the pre I didn't know that and I felt like a student all over again because I was reading and I was like oh my god and then for this particular little person that I was assessing I thought that they were four five and so while I was doing it they were getting a lot wrong and I was thinking oh my goodness they're going to be so delayed and I kept pushing this client and pushing this client really motivating because I thought that they were four five and oh. I got home, <laughs> got the assessment and I did their age. They were only three three <laughs> and they're completely fine. They got like scaled scores of tens and nines and eleven. Oh. Totally fine for their language. <laughs> I felt so bad. Classic mistake. I just their age, I just didn't even think to check. I was like, oh yeah, four four. Yeah. No. That's so funny. She was probably like, this is so hard. Oh, yeah. She was so off me by the end of it. That's fine. I got it done. But yeah. <laughs> And then her mum was like, did you have fun? She was like, mm. 
<laughs> and she just walked away. That's so funny. Well, yes, note to self next time, write the birth date down. Write the birth date down on the score form, honestly. Anyway. It's so easy to do though. I forget sometimes how old my kids are and then you just go by and then you actually forget they're getting older. Especially if they're quite a tall child. Yeah. You know, like this little girl was quite tall for her age. So anyway. Enough about our catch-ups, but should we get into our red flags or our icks? Absolutely. I'm keen to talk about them. First things first, while you're browsing Seek, and if you are looking at Seek over a long time period, let's say like a few months or even a few weeks, you may notice some reoccurring Seek ads from certain companies. Now, this could be for two reasons. One. They are expanding and wanting to grow the company so they have multiple, multiple positions available. Or two, they have quite a high staff turnover and they're having lots of therapists for the same role. Because we're talking about red flags, let's just say it's option two and we're going to be really negative here. (laughs) But be careful of these reoccurring seek ads for the same companies. Why does a company have, you know, a high staff turnover? It could be for various reasons such as pays or expectations, no work-life balance. It's just important to note that people don't just leave a position if it's a great employment. You know, some people do for other reasons in itself, but, you know, uh, what I mean is a high volume of people don't just leave one company for no reason. No. No. So just be aware of what you're looking at on Seek or whatever job advertisement sites that you browse and, Mm. yeah, keep that in mind. Yeah, totally. Sometimes if I'm really keen on a job, for example, and I've seen like heaps and heaps of ads, like if you're going to call them to ask about the position, I sometimes say to them, oh, I see you've got lots of ads up. Do you mind if I ask why, you know, are you expanding? Because sometimes it's just good to know. Like, I mean, they might lie who knows um I guess you're also a nick (laughs) I guess you would just catch them off guard though with that question so then you could take what you will on how they answer it if they're a bit taken back by it and it takes them a little while to answer that that's probably a good indication of why yeah yeah totally I know I regularly look at seek I just am curious to see how many jobs are out there but I've got a couple of companies in mind who regularly have jobs up and they've been up for months and I know that a they're not filling the position for some reason or b maybe they have and then people have left and so it's it actually tells you quite a lot about a job yeah and keep that in mind asking that question because we always say oh call the company before you send in your resume so your name is in their brain but you never know what to ask that's a good question to ask Mm, yeah little tip there I actually got an email the other day from a recruiter on LinkedIn and I get so many of these I literally just never reply so many I was saying at Sip and Speechy the event that we did a few weeks ago with um a company up in Townsville how if you have a LinkedIn profile, you will literally get a message. I get a message at least two times a week asking yeah. if I'm looking for a position. Even now that it says I'm working for my own company. <laughs> hey, do you want to leave that? <laughs> Come work for me. <laughs> anyway, keep going with your little email. Oh, yeah. No, I was just saying that in their message that they send you, like it's, you can kind of tell that it's an automated blurb 
it was outlining three job opportunities in the Queensland region that this particular recruitment agency was trying to recruit for. And there was one point in this email or message from this recruiter that like really stood out to me, which I thought was interesting when it was outlining all of the great points about the position, you know, salary and clients and benefits. It also had a $1,000 professional development budget. If you're a student, you're probably thinking, oh my God, $1,000 is so good. So good. But I guess when you start working, one of the biggest things to keep in mind is that those really big professional development courses, so for things like Hannon, which is really popular, or Prompt, or any of those really big name ones are most of the time over like $1,500. Mm-hmm. So that's one PD, not even a year. And I think, you know, if you've only got $1,000, you might not be in a position to be able to put your own money in. And so I guess then the learning that you're doing over time really means that you can probably only afford to do the Speech Pathology Australia online courses, which are also really good. Yeah, those ones are really great. Yeah, I've done heaps of those, but sometimes it does mean that you have to then miss out on those big name ones. Like, would you agree with that? Oh, definitely. And those big name ones really, really help your development. You can't do Hannon if you haven't done Hannon. You can't offer prompt if, if you haven't done the course. So it's really beneficial to make sure that, you know, there's PD budget there that can cover at least one of the big name courses if you want. I think so. Like, It's not necessarily always a red flag. Sometimes companies might offer to do a lot of in-house stuff or they might, I don't know, put a whole group of you through a course and not actually take that out of your PD budget. Like there's a lot of ways that companies can get around it. But I think just keeping in mind like $1,000 actually doesn't get you a huge amount of professional development in a single year. No, not at all. I would probably say, and it is really hard to say what the standard is for the PD budget because they all have different PD budgets, especially if you go rural or regional, you know, they have quite a high PD budget um, as a perk for going out out to the country. Mm-hmm. But I would say I would expect and be happy with $1,500 over the year, you know, on top of your salary. So then that means if you do want to do one of those big name PDs, the money's there to do it. Mm-hmm. And then if you want to do the little spa ones, which is like, you know, 200, 300, or the low hundreds, you can just take that out of your own salary, which I'm more than happy doing. Yeah. And that's a tax deduction as well at the end of the year, if you do end up paying for some of those yourself. One thing I also will say to look out for too, is like, and I've noticed a lot of jobs are doing this lately is they'll give you like professional development leave. So they might give you like three days paid leave to take a course. Um, So just keep in mind like what that looks like. For example, if a company wants you to go and do this particular course or whatever, if they're asking you to take like your own annual leave, I, that just doesn't sit right with me. I don't think. No, I think that it should be a pay, like a normal work day. Yeah. Cause it is right. Like you're at work. Yeah. I understand, you know, you're doing learning and it's for you, but I do not think that you should take annual leave for your professional development budget. And obviously some companies, if you are listening to this, you'll probably get angry (laughs) at us saying that, but that's just our personal opinion. Like you're still at work, you're still representing the company going to a PD. Yeah. I think the PD leave though is a really great idea. Professional development is a requirement of our job. Like I don't think that anybody can decline you from taking days off and refusing to pay you to do that. Like I just did my spa 
yearly membership recently because I couldn't get onto the website <laughs> when it was due. Love. And I was like putting in all my training and I was like, I actually haven't even done that much because like I've moved jobs and like in between that. But I don't know. I think like you realize that when you go to do your spa membership, like trying to get up the hours, like I was fine because I do a lot of my own learning and I do lots of supervision, but I think I actually don't understand how much training you actually do need to do our job. So it's so important. Oh, definitely. You need to do so much. I remember when I was first in new grad and my family were like, oh, when are you just going to open up your own practice? And I said, you don't understand. <laughs> We've only just learnt the bare minimum of surviving as a speech pathologist there is so much learning and my brother was like well why'd you go to uni if you only learned the bare minimum did you not listen <laughs> did you not listen uh yeah I actually didn't listen but that's not the point you need to do a lot of PD and it is so important so just keep those little things in mind when you are looking at job ads or you're in an interview that's another great question that you can ask about mm. what happens when you take PD is that annual leave is it PD paid leave is it just a normal yeah. work day? Yeah. Perfect. While we are on the topic of looking at job ads though, be careful of high salaries. And we have spoken about this before in the Let's Talk About Pays baby episode, but especially for new grads and early career speeches, for a business to justify paying you such a high salary, they are expecting a high caseload, which as we have said before, this means lots of stress and you can definitely lead to early burnout. So I would say this is definitely a no-go. <laughs> mm. If a private practice that you are really interested in, definitely apply. But during the interview, you know, you should ask them what your expectations are and even say, you know, it is quite a high salary for a clinician with little experience. What are you expecting in return? Or how is the business justifying paying a new grad or early career such a high amount and see what they say? Mm. Really good question. How much would you say is too high for a new grad? In terms of like looking at a high salary, what would you look at and be like, mm, that's too much for a private practice? God, I would probably say anything over 75. Yeah, I feel like that's probably right too. I was not on that kind of money as a new grad. No way. Like not at all. I think I was working for like three or four years before I was getting that. Oh, well, when I was a new grad, I got put on 55 straight away, which is really low. Mm. Was that including super or the whole package? No, that wasn't the package. So not including super. Yeah. 55 and then worked its way up. And then if you had listened to a earlier episode, Cassie and I were on commission when we were at this particular practice. So then we worked on a commission basis and then it did go up from there, but yeah, it was very low. Mm, but the expectations in saying that were still quite high. That's so like just for context now, I guess like a typical day for me is I see six clients, six one-hour clients. So that's six hours of face-to-face work. And then I have a half an hour lunch break. And then I do about like an hour or two of admin in there and some supervision and stuff. So the day actually, like you don't actually have a lot of hours in the day. Like you do an eight hour day, sometimes like seven and a half, depending on where you work. And if you think about doing like a whole day, like six clients is quite a lot for me and I've been working for five years. So I would never expect a new grad or like, you know, you shouldn't be expecting to get a job where you're doing that many client contact hours. Like I think that is way too much. Even five is too much. Mm. For a new grad and early career, I reckon. 
hundred percent. You don't. If you are seeing quite a high expectation, your clinical skills kind of dwindle a little bit. And I found myself when I was seeing such a high caseload, doing the same activity for a lot of kids. Yeah, just to make planning a lot easier. Because if you see over six, you're going to actually just end up working on the same goals. Yeah. Just to make planning easier. Exactly. And then like the week comes around and then you see them again and you're like, shit, I haven't even had time to plan. So let's just pull out the same stuff we did last week. And then that just like continues for like a long time. So bad. Oh God. Anyway. Ask about clinical expectations for sure. Like how many clients, how many billable hours, because they might say, oh, we want you to do four billable hours, but they might all have half an hour sessions. So that's actually eight clients in half an hour. Such a good idea. Yeah. Such a good point. Yeah. I'm not very good with understanding what billable hours is, but that makes sense. If they're half an hour sessions, that's eight clients. That's so many. Too many. Do not do that. (laughs) I would actually be really interested to see how a private practice would answer that question. So I wish someone could actually let us know, but um, I feel like that's a long shot. Yeah. It is really, really, really difficult knowing how a private practice or a place of employment is going to be until you're in the midst of working there and actually are experiencing how the business operates. A lot of businesses during the interview process are on their, I was going to say best behavior, but they really know how to talk up the business and make it sound like your dream job so you can take it. But it's not until you're in there and you're actually seeing how the business actually is. So identifying areas that are of concern or to fit with the episode that are red flags is actually really challenging during this process when all of the directors are really talking up the business about how great they are. Mm. Yeah, that's a good point. During the event that we had a few weeks ago, like I mentioned before, we got a question that I thought was a really great question. And it was, is it ever too soon to leave a job? And should you stick it out for a few months or even a year to just get experience and then quit? Or can you just up and leave if you aren't vibing with the clinic? Hmm. How did we answer it, Cass? Yeah, like, again, such a good question. And it actually made me think. I was like, oh, my God. I think one of the biggest things to remember is, like, that's your experience. Like, what we say or what somebody else does is so different to what is right for you as a person. One of the, I think the biggest things to remember is like, and Ash and I have spoken about this in our episode last week about how to quit a job is that if something's not quite right for you, I always start with that meeting first, like bring it up with your manager, bring it up with your director if you can and where you can, because you want to try and like, I guess, give them a chance in some ways to, I guess, like redeem themselves or fix things so that it's a place that you enjoy working. 100% because then if they you know if it still continues then you've got some great reasons as to why you're leaving but I would just also to add on to that Cass is that it's really never too early to leave Mm. as well um I had a friend leave her new grad job one week after starting yeah and she didn't bother about having a meeting with the director because she just really wasn't she just felt like it really wasn't the right fit and even if she did have a meeting, even if it was to change, she just really didn't enjoy it. That's fair. Yeah. Really, really unfortunate circumstances. And I don't know about you, but I personally would prefer to have that awkward conversation at the beginning, 
rather than get one year down the track and you resent your job, you have negative feelings, you're feeling really crap and burnt out about the private practice and then kind of leaving on those really negative kind of terms. It makes it a lot harder in a lot of ways. A little bit. Yeah. Something that I also recommend, I mean, if you're in a position where you're like six months in and you're not enjoying your job and you're thinking of leaving, like you've probably already done this, but like even just talking to other people that work there and just seeing, I guess, the general vibe, because you can also gain a lot from just talking to people about things sometimes more than you can the director if you don't feel comfortable, but using your resources where you can. And like Ash said, like if it's not the right fit for you, it there's no timeline on like how long you should stay. It's everyone is so different. So to help you guys identify some red flags when you get started, here they are. And we feel like these are pretty straightforward and we don't really need to expand on them too much. But I would say the first one when you're in the private practice is no supervision or even if the supervision constantly changes because of scheduling or whoever's doing your supervision is always busy and they're needing to you know, go to another meeting instead of your scheduled supervision each week. This is really hard and you need supervision. Everyone needs supervision. So I would say that is kind of a red flag, not a red flag that's enough to up and leave straight away. Oh my God, I'm not getting supervision. I'm leaving straight away. But I would say it's just something to, you know, kind of flag in your brain that, oh, this doesn't really sit right with me. Totally. I feel like people will prioritize what is important to them. And if something so is coming up or they're too busy or, you know, they got stuck at X, Y, Z every single week, it's like, mm, you're not that priority for that particular person. And I think that's really important to remember is that you should be, like Ash said, everyone needs supervision. So yeah, huge ick for me. Another thing is obviously a negative work environment or team culture. Like is everyone walking around the office miserable? <laughs> Is no one poking their head into your door in the morning being like, morning, how are you? You know, is no one really genuinely enjoying having lunch together or the the little things I think can add up and there's like little signs around the place that shows like a negative team culture and you really don't want to surround yourself with that kind of negativity in a workplace because then it starts to rub off on you, like speaking from personal experience and I hate that. Like I'm always the kind of person being like, morning, how are you? Like blah, 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 blah. And I like never want to be that kind of person that like brings that negative energy to other people. Yeah, totally. It rubs off on you off into your personal life and then also into your client sessions, I reckon. Totally. Because then you start to like just leads to burnout and you start to like resent everything. So red flag. Yeah. Huge. Wave it up in the air. The next one is unreasonable expectations. So this goes off what we were saying, the high salary, high expectations. And don't get me wrong, some speeches absolutely love being busy. They thrive off that. However, not all of us are like that and we actually can't do it. I know I'm that person. I, I really don't thrive off being super, super busy. So if you feel like you're not coping or the expectations are really high for your skill set maybe you know this is a little red flag for you to just keep in mind and then you could maybe go to your director or your supervisor and just let them know how you're feeling and as Cass said before like raising your concerns before you up and leave (laughs) as we were saying before though I guess just figuring out on a piece of paper like what those expectations look like a really good idea is just getting 
you know, maybe if the company can send you a template of somebody else's diary in their day. So you can actually see the ins and outs of what your day will look like. You know, for example, are you starting at eight o'clock and seeing a client straight away at eight o'clock? So then, oh, does that mean you have to come in at 7.30? Or, you know, are you finishing your lunch and then going straight into a client? So then you actually end up taking a 45-minute lunch. Like what is your schedule actually looking like on paper? Because I feel like for me as a person, like that really helps me map out what my expectations are and how my day is actually going to look. Yeah, that's such a great idea. Red flag. A really big one for me is work-life balance. And this is something that we've talked about a lot. So much. I feel like we chat about this all the time. Yeah, we really love not working and no work or play. <laughs> I love going on the holidays. A value of mine is not what working. Is As a early career speech pathologist, I was doing so much work outside of hours and on the weekend and before work and in my lunch hour. And like, I just thought that that was part of the job. I was like, oh yeah, like speech pathologist, so busy, blah, blah, blah. I remember Cassie on Fridays, I'd be like, oh, what are you doing this weekend? You'd go, oh, you know, I might do this, 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 and I've got this report to finish. So I'll do that on Sunday morning. Just <laughs> the worst. <gasps> oh, it's not good. Yeah. So are you doing work outside of work hours on the weekends? Because this is definitely a red flag. You should be able to get all of your admin completed during work hours unless, don't get me wrong, I've definitely had days like this, but I've just had to give myself a slap on the wrist and say, do better, Ash. You've been (laughs) super lazy and instead of doing that report that you had scheduled time to do, you went and had a long chat to some colleagues, went and got lunch, scrolled on TikTok. Guilty. (laughs) Like you said, we all have those days and that's okay. But that is at no fault of the business. That is your own fault. That is your own fault. So you can't say that you have no work-life balance when it's your fault. Just saying. Mm -hmm. But there is definitely a point where it's like you are literally not even seeing your your colleagues because you're working back-to-back, back-to-back in your lunch hour. Like that's not normal like work is also about enjoying your breaks and getting to know your colleagues too yeah totally so if you are doing work on the weekends I would say where you're currently working doesn't value a good work-life balance and that's a red flag tee okay this last one is the absolute bane of my existence is micromanaging Ooh, the worst I just hate not good no I you know like an example of micromanaging would be if you have no autonomy over the clients that's getting booked in with you or admin changes in your day, such as, you know, if you've got something blocked out, say you're writing a report and then they go and book something else in, or if they ask you to put in your diary, every single thing that you're doing in your day, like that is a big red flag of being micromanaged. Checking your emails. It's so hard to see some of those things, isn't it? Like I remember in one of my jobs, we had to do every week our KPIs. And then we also had to do our time management. So our KPI hours were like put in hours. And then we also had to put our time management hours. So if there was like any discrepancy, say for example, we didn't have many clients or we had heaps of cancellations, our time management hours, like we had to show what we were doing in that time. And at the time I was like, oh, this is good. Like it's super organized. Like it's really nice to see how they like to, you know, map out our day. And then after I was like, that is micromanaging Mm. 
to a different level. Yeah, literally. You're like, I scrolled on TikTok from 11 to 11.30. <laughs> literally, I went to the toilet. <laughs> yeah, that's another level of micromanaging. And it's not fun. You start to really get negative thoughts and you just feel like you're literally back in year 10. Mm. And your teacher's getting up you because you haven't done X, Y, and Z. So red flag. It's really hard to kind of notice when you are being micromanaged, but really most clinicians have a lot of autonomy over their clients, their scheduling, their admin, when they get things done. Obviously within um, practice guidelines of, you know, doing a report within the turnover time, but they can choose when they want to do that. Well, these are just some red flags that we can easily identify and we think play the biggest importance for having a successful and enjoyable employment. So we really hope we have been able to give you all some food for thought and also give you the confidence to identify if a workplace is not working out for you. Yes, because that is how we are all going to stay in the profession and be species for the rest of our lives and love our jobs. Yes. And we're not going to do the how to talk with parents segment for this episode because we feel like it is quite a long episode already. So sorry about that, guys. We were meaning I did put a little note in this. Did you read that at the very top in the intro? Let's make this 20 minutes. Let's make this episode 15 to 20 minutes. And then when we were finishing the, uh, when we were finishing what we've been up to, it was like 12 minutes. I thought, oh, mm. <laughs> it's going to go for a while. That's- I feel like we're just so passionate about this episode. We've so much to say. Oh, honestly. Anyway, we hope that you have enjoyed the episode. And as I said, given you some food for thought and let us know if you have any thoughts about the episode on our Instagram. Thanks for listening. Chat to you next week. Bye. See ya. Thanks for listening to another episode. If you'd like to stay up to date with us, then please give us a follow on Instagram and Facebook at Diary of a New Grad Speechy. And don't forget to subscribe and leave a review below. Thanks so much. See you next week.